And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable web website and marketing tips, useful guides, podcasts, goodies, and much, much more every Monday so you can start your week off with a bang. Give it a try over at businessgrowth.email. So joining me today, I've got Ben Goldstein. Ben's the VP of Marketing over at Nutshell. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me on, Sam. No worries, dude. I'm looking forward to this. This is a, a topic I'm fairly passionate about, as I know you oh, are too. Oh, yeah. And something I feel not enough is spoken about in the SEO world, in the B2B marketing space. So we're going to be chatting all things how B2B companies, how business in general, can set up a, a blog from scratch and start generating revenue, hard-earned cash from that copy, making content work hard for their business. But first and foremost, Ben, I thought blogs were dead. I thought they died a few years ago, and I thought demand gen was a new big thing to be doing to drive revenue for B2B. How dare you, Sam? Who, who is putting these ideas in your head? Uh, no, I mean, I, I hear this stuff all the time. Are, are blogs dead? Is PPC dead? Are virtual events dead? No, they're just, it's all getting more competitive. And that's the problem. And, and and I think folks, you know, maybe they're getting less results than they were a year or two ago, but the, the goal is the same. You have to do these things really well. You have to do all these things better than your competition. If you're going to run a blog, it has to be better than your competitors. And, and if you can do that, believe me, the, the B2B blog as a concept, as a format, is still very much alive. Yeah. 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 And with that said, is it is, it, is content, is article writing, is blog creation still something that can really drive serious revenue in 2022 and beyond? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, maybe the caveat is you have to do it right. And what right. you have to do is, is focus these blog articles, these content on, on folks who are in the consideration stage. So you can actually turn them in to leads that you can measure. And, you know, I think a lot of content marketers get discouraged when they kind of have a spray and pray approach to publishing. And they're like, do we go for top funnel? Is it mid funnel? Are, are we doing things to acquire email addresses? And it's, it's hard to measure when you're, when you're throwing it all into the wind. But you know, if you can create articles and content that put a visitor on a path to a SQL conversion, conversion not, not an MQL, but right. to, to actually direct a reader into a sales conversation, starting a trial of your software, contacting sales, signing up for that intro demo, you can measure that pretty directly and that could be very, very profitable. Got it. So I think, and we're going to get into the actionables, we're going to lay out a step-by-step -step shortly, but quite often... And I'm sure it's not just me, but I'm sure there's some visitors that are tuning in as well. Some of our audience are thinking, well, quite often when I see a blog, I'm thinking of maybe a, a how-to or perhaps it's answering my question or perhaps it's comparing vendors mm -hmm. or, like you say, quite heavy towards the top of the sales funnel yeah. or the consideration, maybe middle, middle of the funnel mm -hmm. stages where people are really early doors, yeah. perhaps not even sure if they need your solution. Perhaps they're just thinking, oh, I might need help with this problem or I need to understand how to do this faster or quicker. Um, can those kind of things, Ben, where people do presumably search on Google, they find your article, they land on your site, are those visitors going to convert into sales qualified leads or is there a process that has to take place to then get them on that journey? 
Well, I think if, if you're offering a product or solution that is easy to trial, easy to get into, then yes, absolutely. I mean, we sell a, a small business CRM and an email marketing solution that uh, it, it's quite easy to say, oh, let me test out this software. I'll hit that orange button at the top of the, the blog article and uh, you know, fill in my information and, and get into a trial pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. If, if it's something more enterprise where there's a, long, a longer kind of a longer sales cycle in general, a longer process to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of brands that like make you contact them just to get pricing. It, it's a different, it's a different kind of scenario. But for us, when we're, when we're pitching at uh, small businesses, small business sales teams that want to get into something simple. Yeah. It's, yep. it's a pretty direct pathway. And, and you know, that, that's the sort of side note here is that you want to make sure that you're offering those signup forums and every blog page, you're offering those inline CTAs that, that gets you to that signup page. Um, if you are, you know, if you have the, the, uh, the foundation, the groundwork set correctly, yeah, it's a pretty direct path from a visit to, to an SQL. Yeah. So for perhaps companies that don't have a free version or free trial, or I guess a low friction ask for the visitor that's landing on your article. And like you say, perhaps their product is several hundred dollars a month, maybe it's several thousand a month. Um, maybe it's more. Um, can this strategy still work for them? Because like you say, it's unlikely that someone's going to necessarily request a demo on the first touch. I think it might just work at a smaller scale and a smaller volume. You might have a, a, a slightly lower success rate doing this sort of thing, but it has to be part of the mix. I, I mean, every, you know, enterprise software companies, big businesses, they still use this on a pretty regular basis to attract those kind of visitors that are looking to like just swipe their credit card right now. I'm, I'm in the consideration stage. I'm considering you against X, Y, and Z. Um, you want to get in front of that traffic really badly. So I think it still works even for those, even if there's a few steps uh, in between from, uh, you know, becoming a, a legitimate sales lead from just like walking in the door, but you got to do it. All right. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about how we can actually, how a business can set this up from, scratch what are the the very first considerations for a site perhaps they've already got a measly blog that they've neglected for the last five years or perhaps they've got nothing at all perhaps it's a startup and it's a fresh site what are the first pieces of the puzzle that need to be in play before we kind of get get cracking and start sure putting together copy well you know there are a couple of blog article formats that I, i recommend you know, right away to pretty much anyone if they're a startup, if they're at a small company. And, you know, we, we mentioned it before, the sort of mid-funnel consideration stage. I, I guess we might call it sort of low-middle funnel. These folks are actively looking for a solution to purchase. And, and there's a couple of ways that we've done this consistently at Nutshell. And I'll just run through these real quick. The first, um, you know, you, you, I think you mentioned it before, alternatives, vendor alternatives articles. So for us, it's stuff like, you know, best HubSpot alternatives, best Pipedrive alternatives, best Monday CRM alternatives, things like that. So, you know, these sort of vendor rankings where you sort of place yourself at, a t- at the top, most prominently, but in a sort of honest way, uh, they're really good at collecting and attracting visitors with, with high purchase intent. So uh, these folks are in the process of evaluating some piece of software, one of your competitors, one of your competitor solutions, for example. But there's something stopping them from the trigger. That could be the cost. It could be missing features. And they're kind of looking for a reason to buy elsewhere. So again, you want to get in front of these visitors more than anything else and, and position your solution as being strong where competitor X is weak. 
Um, and, and you can get those folks into signing up uh, for a trial, contacting your sales team pretty, pretty regularly. We've done it. I know it works. And um, I think the only trick with stuff like this is, again, to be honest as possible. Avoid going negative. I mean, you want an article like this to be a genuinely useful tool for someone who's looking for an alternative to this competitor. So you have to honestly present yourself, honestly present the pros and cons of everybody you're including on that list. Otherwise, it just looks like a hit piece and you'll lose credibility, which is not good if it's you know the first time a visitor is encountering your brand. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I'll, yeah. I'll just say real briefly that the second one um, is, is a sort of best X for Y articles, which, you know, and, and we, we do like best CRMs for nonprofits, best CRMs for that integrate with QuickBooks or something. And it's just a classic long tail strategy. It's really, really good for drawing in visitors with a specific requirement. If they don't, you know, if your product doesn't do X, it's a deal breaker for them. So you have to create content for this specific persona is trying to solve this specific uh, problem. Uh, best X for Y that that'll, that's like, it's such a go-to for us, but it works. Uh, it, I would say between those two content types, it brings in like 80% of our, our blog generated leads. Got it. Okay. Let's drill down on those a bit more. Yeah. Um, so vendor alternatives. Yeah. So in your case, I'm guessing it's people that are comparing to CRM options. Mm -hmm. um, what are the starting points before you start putting together these articles? What I mean by that is, should we be doing things like keyword research? Should we be, how are we going to know which is our juiciest competitor that we need to get ahead of yeah. um, if we don't? Um, and any other considerations? Yeah, that's 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 a great question. I kind of think keyword research is often like the last resort. It, it might be a weird thing for someone who specializes in, in SEO content for a long time to say. Um, but we we take these topics, honestly, from from our own sales calls. And, uh, you know, if one of our sales team is in, in uh, doing a discovery call with someone, okay, what else are, are you looking at right now? And we try to gather, um, that information just from conversations, what's coming up more than anything else. And, and also on the other side, like if, if folks are churning out and they're leaving us for a certain tool, what is that tool? Let's make some content around them, uh, around that, uh, competitor. They could hopefully head off some of these questions, some of these objections, so, so, you know, talking to people is always the best policy, number one. Mm -hmm. And then also like there's, you know, I hate to get into like the sort of vibes over data uh, kind of thing, but like, I'm sure every person listening to this, who's a marketer who, who works at a B2B, excuse me, B2B company probably has a handful of folks that you would really just like to eat their lunch. These competitors that you like, I want to take their at least part or some segment of their customer base because we think we can serve them better or they're beating us head to head. And those things always go up of the list. And then finally you get to the keyword research. All right, what, what else is out there? But, but usually you can, especially if you're at a small team with, you know, small amount of resources, you can figure out quickly just, just by noticing and researching your place in the market, the, uh, the sort of topics you have to start with. Yeah, I'm guessing it would probably only take a one-minute conversation with your sales team to know what the main competitor is. Look, what, what are we losing deals to, guys? Yeah, and and again, like you know, I'm coming this from a place of you know we're a CRM company with hundreds of competitors, so sometimes it does take a little extra thought thinking, okay, what do we do next? But uh, you know, a, a lot of folks are not in as competitive markets, so they sell a newer kind of uh, technology solution, and there just aren't as many. And you you just check these off the list, just just knock out every single one of them. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of actually putting together, let's say we've spoken to our team, we've listened to some calls, we know who our main competitors are. We perhaps know a bit about why we're losing deals. Maybe it's to do with pricing. Maybe it's to do with spec. 
Uh, maybe it's to do with something else. Um, what are some ideas around leveraging these points? And like you say, being honest, but I guess at the same time, you still want to make your solution sound like the go-to option as they're on your site. Yeah. So what are some some kind of best practices on actually doing these comparison pages and articles? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that punches up these pages are customer quotes. And, you know, they don't even have to be original customer quotes. We, you know, we troll G2 and Captera uh, and other software review sites like that to find out what other people are saying about our competitors. And again, right. like you don't want to sort this thing by lowest rated and just put all the hate, but you should be able to identify, okay, this competitor does this very well. We do this all right. Or this competitor does not do this very well. And here's, here's where we can win. And you put that in the words of actual people who are using these products through quotes you're collecting by yourself, uh, through your sales team and your, your customer success team. Uh, and as well, just, you know, like I said, review sites on the, on the internet are just such a great well to draw from. If you're, if you want to, you know, add some social proof, uh, what people are actually saying about every single tool that you're going to include in, in an article like this. Gotcha. And is there a limit on how many of these articles you should do? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean, I think the, the limitations only exist when you're, con, you're, you're sort of resource constrained. You know, you don't sure. want to spend your entire year doing just one kind of content. <laughs> but I mean, I think we could, you know, my company could spend months just doing this. I, I don't think there's any sort of limit. You want to be as discoverable as possible for as many searches from folks who are looking to buy software. So um, I, I think, you know, you know, scratch that vein and, until it sort of goes dry. That's fair. And is this the main content type that our resources should be spending time creating? Or are there, I know there's a couple others you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, outside of the consideration stage, mid-funnel stuff, that's like number one, you have to get in that in place first. But I'd say once that's set up and you feel comfortable and you're, you're generating leading that kind of content, um, you, you know, you want to shift your focus to stuff that draws in a lot of top funnel traffic from your ideal buyers, just so they're exposed to you and, and also yeah. offers them something of real value. And mm -hmm. I think one content type that checks both of those boxes is templates. And again, this is sort of a, it's a classic strategy. B2B companies have been doing this for a long time, but people, you know, they go on Google because they're looking for quick help. And we all want to take work out of our day and find shortcuts to efficiency. Um, templates help your, your buyers do that, which is why they're still popular. Um, you know, we've had a ton of success, uh, success doing like email marketing templates, sales email templates, because our buyers, our sales, uh, sellers and marketers, they, they sell with email. So how can we make their lives easier? I, is it easier for them to copy and paste something that an expert put, put together rather than them having to write something from scratch? Probably will be more successful using a template unless, unless you're like a really, really talented writer. So, you know, I would just suggest, you know, what, what are your buyers trying to do quickly? You know, what can you help them accomplish uh, that sort of gets them almost all the way there? And, and if you can figure out how to do that and package up some templates that save your buyer some time, uh, I, I think the resulting content could drive a lot of traffic to your site and, and it could help you collect a lot of email addresses if you decide to gate it. And I know that's kind of a, a controversial thing these days. And, and it'll give your buyers a quick win and maybe they'll remember you when it's time finally for them to, uh, to actually start looking for a solution to buy. Is that the goal really of Top of Funnel? content ben um because like you say depending on what you do when someone's searching for an answer to their question whether it's how to do x or yeah. best way to do y or fastest way to achieve z and yeah. like you say perhaps gearing templates 
to help you get that done nice and fast. Yeah. Um, chances are they're probably just going to go on the site, grab the info, and then hop off. Not always. Yeah. And, and, and you know, this is the whole uh, argument right now about gating content, because if you gate it, you could at least collect an email address. And as marketers, we love to measure our success. So we can measure how many email addresses we collected. But that's really the only reason that you would actually do that, unless you have a, a really, you know, a stellar email marketing nurturing program. Honestly, you want to give them the visitor what they need and give them the help they were looking for as quickly as possible. And just yeah. use that as a way to expose your brand to these visitors, these visitors who are in your ideal target market. And that could be harder to measure the impact of that. You can certainly measure traffic to pages, mm-hmm. but it's harder to measure unless you have some you know, really uh, uh, precise tooling that, that you can see if a lead comes in and you can see what, what pages they've, they've landed on, what was their path. Um, yeah. and, and we do because we have some really smart engineers on our team. Uh, but I know that that's not really an option for everybody. Uh, sure. but, but ultimately, you just want, you want to give people a great experience when they come to your site for the first time. And I think templates are, are a good way to do that. Do you think it's more of a, a long-term brand play than anything else, top of funnel content? Um, yeah, yeah, because you do that to associate your brand with a point of view and expertise and helpfulness. So if, if you can give uh, you know, a, a buyer of your, your solution enough exposures to that kind of feeling, we hope, and hopefully we can measure at some point, uh, that they're going to turn into a lead and, and turn into a customer. But but yeah, we're we're trying to change the the you know, win, we're trying to win hearts and minds out there, and and you know that that's why we do it. And it and it, you know I think you still have to focus on some of your effort on top of the funnel because you need to differentiate your brand from everybody else who's doing the same thing you are and offering the same product. So that sort of helpful content is a really good way of doing that. I think. Chili Piper is the most advanced routing and scheduling software for B2B revenue teams. Its product helps demand generation teams convert more leads into attended meetings, sales teams book more demos faster, and customer success teams to delight their customers. Companies like Shopify, Forrester, Spotify, and Gong use Chili Piper to double their inbound conversion rates, eliminate manual lead routing, and streamline critical processes for meetings. Book your free tailored demo today at chilipiper.com. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com. Are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic, leads, and sales all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Do you think that companies should look to retarget this top of the funnel traffic? So if they aren't converting, then following them around, whether that's Facebook, LinkedIn ads, display ads, and so on, to try and get them back onto the site? 
Yeah, I do actually. But I, I think the right way to do it is not to retarget them into a sales conversation or retarget them onto a sales landing page. They, they uh, you know, consumed your content and they liked it. You should keep showing them more content, promote content in this way. So retargeting is great for showing this visitor more content. But yeah, I think the common mistake people make is saying, okay, you downloaded our, our sales pipeline templates. Let's see if you can, you know, maybe you want to buy our uh, subscription to our software. And it's like, they're not, yeah. ready. they don't want that. You know, just so much money is burned doing that. And, you know, we, we look, we've tried everything at Nutshell. And that's one, one of the lessons we learned, like, you know, it just, you're setting piles of cash on fire if you're trying to get them into a sales relationship before they're ready. Nobody likes that. Sure, sure, sure. And I don't want to get down the getting or non-getting rabbit hole because we've talked about that on many, many episodes in the show. But I think that's a, a fair take, really. If someone's top of the funnel, if they're not ready to speak to sales, show them more interesting content that they might find useful. Um, yeah, and hopefully they, you know, they take the initiative to sign up for your newsletter or sign up for a webinar or virtual conference on their own after seeing some of your content because now they like your brand and that's how you get them onto your marketing audience list. And then you could sort of nurture them through that way or get them to subscribe to your YouTube channel. I mean, they're seeing all the videos you come out, uh, come out with every time you publish something. That's, that's, I think that's the smarter way to do that than just, you know, trying to, um, I don't know, treat everybody as a lead in some way because they're not. What should be the focus split then? What should be what should take up most of your attention against kind of top of the funnel, someone searching how to do something, learning more, wants a template or some tips. Yeah. Middle of the funnel where perhaps they're comparing alternatives, different vendors, or perhaps bottom of the funnel where someone's literally typing in best CRM for small business yeah. or best <laughs> web agency for SaaS or whatever that might be. Yeah. Uh gosh, it's hard to put a number on it. I think that thing I think the the breakdown shifts over time where in the, in the beginning, if you don't have a, a mature content program, you have to be spending a, a majority of your time, you know, 60, 70% at least on this sort of consideration stage content or lower. Okay. Um, once you're a little well established, like maybe you drop that to 50 and the sort of top of the funnel and uh, helpful tenants and, and, and just uh, how can we answer our, our visitors' questions quickly and get them back to work. That stuff, you know, maybe another 30 or 40%. But then there's always this sort of last bit that, that I think should be spent. Like you should always be spending a lot, of, not a lot, but like at least a piece of your time on thought leadership. And not just the sort of, you know, I, a lot of thought leadership sort of fails because it's not like controversial enough or it doesn't take a, a, a hard enough stance. Um, but, but if you can have something to say that actually challenges the way that your market is thinking, if you have something to say, say it. Mm. And, and, and so I, I think thought leadership content is always sort of going to be in, should be in the background of your, of your content mix uh, in a way to differentiate yourself, not just, not the product, but what your company believes, what it stands for. So, okay. you know, that, that's another way to just in a crowded market, crowded market, just stand out. You're, you're the company that believes for X or is challenging existing orthodoxy around, you know, something that we all sort of deal with. Interesting. So thought leadership content, small percentage of focus on that. Yeah. Is this kind of stuff going to rank on Google? Is it going to be searchable? Or is it more things that we hope that when people land on our site, they might go to, I don't know, this particular page, or maybe we'll direct people from social or. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not usually searchable. It's not usually discoverable on, on social because it just doesn't align with any keywords people are, are going to be searching for. But so, yeah, I mean, you have to get a little creative. It's, it's your CEO or one of your leadership team members posting it on LinkedIn. It, it's you finding a, a industry newsletter to get inside paid or non-paid. 
uh, it's you using your social channels, the, the, uh, in, not just your, your brand channels, but individual employees and, and the people who work there to share this sort of things to their own networks. Um, you just have to find those more organic, dark social channels uh, because, uh, you know, complete strangers not going to be finding it by, uh, by searching through Google. But if the, you know, who knows if someone is digging into you, uh, they want to, uh, you know, consider your product or solution. They might be doing some research in Google and they might be looking up your CEO and, and sometimes you find this stuff organically if you're in that consideration stage and then it becomes really helpful. Got it. So we've laid out some content types that you can utilize for your blog articles, but you know as well as I do, Ben, ranking pages on Google ain't that easy. Um, it's not, no. <laughs> especially when you've got heavy competition, which you do in the CRM world and we do sure. in the website and SEO world too. Yeah. Um, and so do many of our audiences, SaaS, tech, other, any other space they might be in. Now, how can we beat the giants in the market, which might be easier? I mean, you'll, you'll know this better than I will, perhaps, in terms of kind of top of funnel stuff. There might be gaps. Um, yeah. feel free to give us some ideas there but when it comes to bottom of the funnel when people are literally searching like best provider for x type of demographic or i don't know best agency for y or best company for z mm -hmm. those can be super competitive right they can be super competitive and you know i always warn folks away from doing this if they're a startup because look if you're, if you're starting a crm brand from scratch today don't try to rank for best CRM or CR, you know, you will waste a lot of your time like that, that real estate's already gobbled up by Salesforce and, and all the other leaders in the industry, but you can always win on long tail and, and not just long tail for, you know, the best CRM with the reporting features. I mean, like targeting the, the audience or, or the, the customer type that you want to pursue where, where you think you can win essentially. Um, so, it's hard to, to win the game of Google when you're playing an unwinnable game, but you have to do some, some thoughts. If you're not, if you're not the leader in your market, if you're one of the smaller players, just trying to get a piece of market share, who are you best for? Th think about who has the most success with your product. And, and then your SEO content should be pitched at them very specifically. And the, the more general you go, the more chances you have to lose in that game. Mm-hmm. Any, this is a bit more tactical, Ben, any advice for checking if a topic or search term that you actually want this keyword to rank for, for your articles that you're creating mm -hmm. is going to be realistic? Uh, yeah, I mean, like we use SEMrush just like anybody to see sort of like keyword difficulty and things like that. Um, but I think I've been doing this long enough where I have an eye as a writer, as an editor, as a content producer to think okay, I have this topic in mind. I'm going to have to beat HubSpot and Salesforce in order to rank, you know, sort of visibly. Just what? the small fish then. <laughs> Just the small fish. Well, I mean, I mean, these are the ones I always think about. I mean, there's, there's a ton now though, but sure. you know, you know, let me, let me engage critically with the content that is already out in the, you know, top five spots of Google. Let me at, like have a real like heart to heart moment with myself. Can me and my team produce something that's better than this? And are, are we far enough, are we too far in terms of like domain authority um, to even be able to compete? I mean, this is not, thankfully, this is not a concern for us anymore, but I know it's a concern for newer companies where they're not just not as well established. They don't have a lot of backlinks pointing to their, their websites. And like, sometimes it literally is impossible. If you have a huge, you know, market leader in your space and you're just starting out, you're not going to win uh, for these, you know, unless you go really long tail. 
So, uh, you know, have the, uh, the content maturity to uh, look at what's already ranking and saying, can I do better than this? And is it possible, you know, because of, you know, based on the life cycle of my brand and my domain compared to what, are, what else is already out there? Yeah, got it. No, that's, that's fair. Basically assessing the competition, really kind of nailing down is, is it going to be realistic for us to rank for these terms? Yeah. And then if not, perhaps niche down a bit, get a bit more specific in that search query and yes. what you actually want the article to rank for mm. um, and go from there. Any recommendations on what makes a solid article structure um, in terms of what should we actually put in there? Should I just go for 5,000 words, Ben? Should I maybe stick a picture, an infographic, a video, a podcast? Should yeah. I do all the above? <laughs> Don't do all the above unless it really calls for that. And, and you know, gosh, not there are a few uh, blog topics that call for 5,000 words. And I, I think one thing a lot, a lot of content marketers get wrong is thinking, well, we can we could just beat this topic into submission through, we can win on sheer volume, which is rarely true. I think you can win by answering uh, the visitors of the search query as as concisely and quickly as possible. Um, what also helps is original research, original stats pulled from your own customers. Anytime you have original data, you increase, you know, to an astounding degree, uh, the likelihood that someone's going to link to that article, uh, and which, which of course helps the placement of that article. So I think you, you want to start with, how can I answer this question as, as, as concisely as I can? What else is actually needed um, in terms of you know, added value to this topic? Make sure you have section headings that kind of align with common queries. Um, don't spend a lot of time on the intro because, man, people are scrolling through this stuff on their phones. And they, you know, more than three scrolls and they're out. Um, get to the point as quickly as you can, answer the question as quickly as you can and, and bring in expert voices. So it's not just some anonymous blog writer on your B2B site, uh, trying to, uh, tell you as a professional how to, how to do your job. Good stuff. Now you mentioned links mm -hmm. should, does an article need backlinks to it? I links from other external sites going to your article to rank yeah. well. Or can it purely rank from content alone? Um, it's really it, it's really hard to rank for content alone unless you're really established a as a brand, as a domain, and it gets easier and easier. You know, as big as your company gets. However, um, backlinks are, are generally the path to success for this sort of thing. To to get your your piece of content ranking high on page one, you need backlinks, and you know you know thankfully we're at a place where we get requests a lot from other B2B sites, other brands. Hey, can we place a, a backlink here on this page? Can we do a guest post swap? And I always respond to those requests with an ask of my own saying, sure, we, we can do that for you. If you, if you put our link here on your site, of course, like I check first to make sure it's a legit domain. They have a domain authority of like at least 50, but there's generally at any given time, me and my team have at least a dozen you know, links to articles on our site that we're trying to get higher ranked. They're at least, you know, they're just off the page one or Google or they're low on page one. And, and those are the ones we focus on in these sort of link exchanges. If you're asking me for something, sure, but you have to link to this specific article of ours. And by the way, I've already done the research for you. I think it'll be a, a perfect fit on this page of yours. Uh, you know, make it easy for people to say yes. But if someone, you know, I, I think a lot of folks have, have gone through this where you're sort of just being asked constantly for guest post opportunities and, and backlinks. And 
you might just be hitting the delete key on this, but those are all opportunities for you to get something exchanged. Should all be reciprocal. Um, use that as an opportunity. And that I think we use that method of just asking the person who's asking as a way of, of getting more backlinks than pretty much anything else we've done. Although we have done some like, you know, had some formal processes around that as well. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. It's um, for a company that's perhaps only just started out on the article side of things for their website. How should they go about acquiring links for certain pages if they're perhaps not getting inbound requests? Yeah, that's that's really hard because again, if you if you're asking someone who has uh, any sort of sophistication, they will look up your domain authority and say, "Oh gosh, this is not looking good. This this might hurt hurt me to you know to link to this site." Um, I I say that the the two strategies are just finding other small companies who are going through the same thing that you are, uh, you know other kind of smaller players in the space who might be willing to make a sort of trade or an arrangement. Uh, and then also, again, you know, I mentioned like original data before you have to be a leader when it comes to, you know, I'm going to put out that annual state of B2B sales report. And it has all these original uh, stats called from surveys and our own customer base. And, you know, you can put that in someone's hands and say, hey, we have the, these original stats. I, I see you're, you're, you're linking to an outdated statistic from HubSpot from 2017. Uh, yeah. Why don't you use this instead? And then I'll get you back. You know, I could do you a favor for you as well down the road. Um, you know, I, I think you just have to put more legwork into it. Yeah, so doing a bit of outreach and perhaps luring in companies that might be interested in some unique data or stats yeah. that you've got to leverage. Nice. Yeah. Although, you know, the other thing too is just like, if it's a really, really strong, fantastic piece of content and you're, you're promoting it in all, all the channels you can and getting in the hands of, I don't want to say tastemakers, but other, other people in your industry who might be interested, you know, if it's good enough to, uh, to be linked to, it will be. Yeah. Cool. Do you think there should be one final question on links? Do you think there's a limit on how many you should exchange off your own site? So rather than other sites linking to you, is there a limit of, let's say we've got an article we want to rank and perhaps two or three other companies want us to link from this article to theirs? Yeah. Should we be restricted? I don't do more than two or three okay. on your own page. Is, you, is there any best practices that you, from your opinion? I, I mean, saying two or three on your own pages is as good a rule of thumb as any. Like you, you, There is this sort of like inflection point where you look at a piece of content of yours and thinking, oh my goodness, I've used this as the carrot in too many exchanges. There are way too many third-party links. It, mm. It's, it, you know, at the beginning, you want to make sure anything you're linking to from, from your site is going to add extra value to a person reading that article. Um, but yes, there's absolutely a, a limit where it's like, I think maybe the reader can pick up on the fact that th this there's some sort of like SEO trickery going on here. Why why am I am I on your I'm on Nutshell's blog page? Why am I being linked to this, that, and the other? Um, you know, some of these are might be promotional pages. Like it it looks strange. It looks spammy. And you know, you say two or three external links when you're publishing something you should already have some external links that you include just because you think they'll be really helpful for the reader. Like don't, you know, you don't want to be miserly when it comes to that sort of thing. But I, I think, you know, two or three links from, from through exchanges uh, that, that sounds about as good limit as anything. I think that's fine. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and just to wrap things up, Ben, this is again, going to be very industry 
specific and it's going to depend on the type of content that you're going for, whether you're going for this top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel stuff. But from your experience, I mean, feel free to use Nutshell as an example. How long did it take to go from content to demo requests to close business one revenue? Uh, in in the sense of it becoming ROI positive, where the the value of the leads actually paying for the content program, exactly. It, it probably took about two and a half years, and right. you know, you know, nutshell was the, the second uh, marketing job I had, and you know, I had my first job at a company called Credibly. I was their content marketing manager. I was hired by Nutshell in 2016 to be their content marketing manager. Eventually, worked my way up the ranks, but I, I had to learn a lot of this stuff through trial and error. And, and trial and error is a perfectly valid strategy for success, by the way. It just takes a long time. And sometimes if, you, you know, if you're a startup, you don't, have, you don't have time for it. You don't have the resources for trial and error. And I feel like if I could have gone back with what I know now, I would have gotten to that sort of ROI positive state a lot faster. Um, but, it, but it takes a while when you're just you know, using the shotgun approach thinking, Oh, this is going to be, you know, discoverable on search and it's going to get, get a lot of traffic and this might, you know, here's some product marketing and gosh, here's a video we're going to make and all this stuff. And, and when there's no, it's tough when you don't have that existing data to, to pull from telling you what's successful and what isn't. You have to, you have to come up with that on your own. But again, going, going back now, it would be a lot more mid funnel stuff, a, a lot for a, a lot more content specifically targeted at drawing in sales leads. Nice one. And do you think there's any companies that should steer clear of a blog strategy? Is there any stages in the business's life cycle where it should be like, let's not do it. It's probably not right to do it now. I, I can't think of any. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, like I'm, I'm specialized in, in B2B and that's my world and that's really all I know. I'm not an e- e-commerce guy. You know, I think, I think the rules for success are, can be a bit different when you're trying to sell shoes or vitamins or luggage or something like that. But for a B2B product or solution, it, it works it, it works because you're still talking to human beings. You're, you're still trying to reach folks who have a problem that your product or solution is trying to solve. And they're looking online for ways to ease that pain in their lives. So I, don't, I can't think of a single industry or segment of B2B that, that wouldn't uh, benefit from a, a B2B blog strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, if you've got that long-term mindset... And you understand that it's not necessarily going to be a, a quick fix. A few weeks later, the leads are going to come flooding in. Well, yeah, I mean, and look, and, and listen to folks like me who have been doing this the hard way for you know many years now. It, it doesn't have to be as as long tail as you think it might be. Oh, SEO takes years to catch on. Content takes years to catch on. Look, if, if you're doing the right things, if you're spending your, fo- your focus and your time and resources the right way, you should be able to get to ROI positivity in less than a year. Um, I don't care who you are. I, I think that's 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 the truth um, in, in any market if you're spending your time the right way. Yeah, I love the points earlier about actually leveraging the sales calls with your with your yeah. actual listening to sales calls rather from your reps from your team. That's something I harp on about quite a lot, and that that can inform not just SEO content, right? Because you can understand kind of what are the common objections that come up, mm-hmm. what are the common frustrations, what are the common queries what's the stumble blocks for deals going over the line okay let's address it with content let's put together yeah. video content blog articles podcast let's hit this nail on the head right. so we're actually addressing the the demand the market has and, and also you know the thing that came to mind when you're listing all those things out is like customer story content so anything that's sales enablement related and mm-hmm. and you know you, nice. you you turn a 
uh, a few conversations with some of your customers into reported features. Now you have something, oh, you run a, a music school? Like uh, there's a customer of ours who's had a lot of success running their music uh, school with Nutshell. Why don't you give this a read and, and let me know if you have any questions? Um, and, and, you know, you learn this thing, these, these sorts of insights just from talking to folks and, and just kind of picking up on trends, who's coming in the, in the door, what are they looking for? What are the pains they're trying to solve? What does success yeah. look like for them? And, and then now you have a deep well of, of, of sales enablement content that you can provide to them in the sales process. Yeah. 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 And ultimately this, like you said, it's not only going to be searchable, it's also going to save your sales team time, maybe save your customer service team time because you've got the content that you can actually direct these prospects or these customers to rather than having to repeat yourself over and over again. You say, look, look at this article, look at this video, look at this resource on our website. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be like, you know, the grease in the wheel at every point in the sales process when done correctly, you know, content helps get folks in, into a sales conversation, helps them get through that sales conversation faster, helps answer their questions when they're first starting out with your product. And, and when they're struggling, as, as folks sometimes do, you know, a year or two down the road, content can help then too, you know. So you know, as content marketers, there's a lot that's sometimes hard to measure in terms of the impact of what we do, but we are impacting that entire funnel and, uh, and the work we do matters. Yeah. And we just need the sales reps to close those deals, right? <laughs> they're doing their best as we all are, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> we'll leave that a lot. Ben, with that said, thanks very much for coming on. So I really enjoyed the My chat. It's been, yeah. been great to talk all things blog content mm -hmm. and SEO. Um, so with that said, please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about yourself, your company, and connect with you. Yeah, if you want to learn more about Nutshell, just visit www.nutshell.com. Again, we're an all-in-one CRM and email marketing solution for B2B organizations. Um, you want to learn more about me for some reason, yeah, just go to LinkedIn, search my name, Ben Goldstein. Uh, I have the avatar of me holding my Yorkie, Wadadley. It's, it's hard to miss, um, but I'd love to connect with anybody listening to this. Always love to talk shop about content marketing. Uh, yeah, happy to hear from you. Nice one, sir. And we shall put all of those links over in the episode show notes, which will be on businessgrowth.marketing. Over that, thanks once again, Ben, for coming on. Thank you, Sam. No worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not hit subscribe or leave us a quick rating on your podcast channel of choice. And with that said, we'll catch you on the next episode for more actionable, no BS, web and marketing tips. Catch you on the next one.